With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Football Digest. I'm Ned Keating. I'm joined today by Ryan Taylor of the Daily Express. Uh, Ryan, hope you're well. We're going to run through some more uh, lines from the summer transfer window. Obviously a busy couple of days for everyone involved. Um, for listeners and for viewers as well that might not be aware, uh, Ryan writes a uh, weekly column for the Express's website uh, where he takes a look at perhaps some of the stories that, that maybe didn't catch your eye as much as, as the Canes and the Grealishes, the stories that are behind those that, that are going on in this transfer window. And, and that's what we're going to dive into a bit today, um, Ryan, isn't it? That we're going to take a look at some of the stories that have made it into your column this week. Um, yeah. Funnily enough, though, we are going to start off a little bit with Grealish, uh, but not so much to do if he's moved to Man City more looking at who could replace him at Aston Villa and, and how can they spend that money. It looks like they're already going to spend £30 million of it on, uh, on by Leverkusen's Leon Bailey, a player previously linked with Man United. I remember about three years ago as well before the World Cup in 2018, the, all the clamour about can he play for England? Is he eligible to play for England? Um, so for Aston Villa, a, a club that um, really established themselves back in the Premier League last year after a difficult first season. Um, this is a real sign of intent of, of where they're trying to head, even if they don't have Jack Grealish in this squad next season. Yeah, totally agree. And like you said, obviously, Bailey's a player that's been linked with a host of the, the big six, uh, Man United in particular. But he's a, he's a quality player and he's someone who I'm quite surprised hasn't actually arrived in the Premier League before this. Um but like you say, I think it's a huge statement of intent, really, from Villa that they're they're not really there to to mess about. I think they're they're looking to drive on up now and put the pressure on the the big six, like the likes of uh, Leicester and not so much last year, but Wolves have done as well under Nuno. Um, and for thirty million pounds in the current market as well, given that he's just signed um, a new, fairly recently signed a new deal with Leverkusen, I think that's incredible business, really. And it, it sort of went under the radar a bit how how quick they, they got it completed, even though there was talks ongoing. I remember on, on Saturday, there was a statement confirming that subjects were medical, the deal was done. So Villa have really impressed me, to be honest, in the market, the way they've, they've gone about things, certainly in the last year. Um, see, the first, when they came up from the championship, there was kind of a lot of a lot of spending going on, on the likes of Samata and stuff that didn't work out. But... You look at the signings last season and Villa looked strong. I mean, Ollie Watkins, Matty Cash as well. They look solid at the back. They've got a real spine. And, and players like Bailey are only going to, you know, potentially double in value if they uh, if he hits the ground running. No, absolutely. As you said, I'm, I'm you know, being impressed with, with Villa themselves as well. The, the recruitment in the last year, as you said, has, has been absolutely um, spot on and it's been superb. Um, looks like they're going to get £100 million in for Grealish. Obviously, uh, an offer has been accepted from Man City. The, the player now himself has a decision to make um, as much as he is a, a big Villa fan. I don't think it's too hard a decision for him. Um, so obviously it looks like they're going to get £100 million for him. £30 million, as we said, is going to go on Leon Bailey when the medicals get completed and the formalities get get finished. Um, another player that they're looking at, though, is Todd Cantwell, uh, possibly £40 million from Norwich City. 
but from what I remember, the way that he played, I, I'll admit to not having seen him too much in the Championship last year, but from what I remember of Norwich's season in the Premier League a couple of years back, Campwell looks almost like he could be a like-for-like replacement uh, for, for Greenish. Yeah, I think... I think Villa fans are quite strong on this that you can't replace Jack Grealish in the sense that, you know, he's just like a god at Villa Park, really. Obviously, he come through the academy and loves the club. But in terms of stylistically, like you say, Campwell has got that kind of little bit of flair. He's got the creativity. In a sense, they're kind of similar and they kind of have a little bit of a free role. Not so much at Norwich with Campwell, but you have seen him sort of drift all over the pitch and sort of wreak havoc whereas Grealish has, has, has done that as well at Villa I think he's obviously a player that's not quite well definitely not at Grealish's level but there's kind of signs there that he could potentially be a, a top player in the coming years I think like you said when he was at Norwich um, the season prior to the last one in the Prem there was kind of a few whispers that the likes of Tottenham and that were, were looking at him but nothing happened he then sort of tried to force a move last year by um, you know, telling the club that he wanted to leave and he was dropped from the Norwich team but he stayed, played football and I don't think the championship is too bad for, for players to, to play every week and keep progressing obviously the likes of you know Mares, them kind of players, Ollie Watkins recently have, have come from the championship so I don't quite think he's at that obviously he's not at the level of Grealish but I don't think that would be a bad investment and he kind of fits the uh, the transfer policies, young English. So, yeah, it'd be an interesting one to see whether that's a deal that materialises. But as um, as I reported on Saturday, it looks like a bid will probably go in if, if Grealish decides to go to City. If Grealish does go, um, and we've already spoken about £30 million for Bailey, Campbell for £40 million, £100 million if they wanted to spend it all, my math suggests that there might be £30 million to spend there. Uh, I did get an A-level uh, in, in math, so hopefully that that is correct. Otherwise, I'm slightly embarrassing myself here. Um, but £30 million left to spend after potentially those two signings. Is there anywhere else that Aston Villa may need to to strengthen uh, going into the new season? I think there might have been talk about maybe a centre-half in the past to, to kind of add a bit more depth there because they didn't really have that at times when either Consul or Mings were out last season. Um, maybe central midfield too could could do perhaps with a bit more depth in that position as well. Yeah. To be honest, looking at, you know, if they were able to pull off Campwell as well, I'm, I'm looking at Villa's team in my head now and I, I don't really see any area of weakness. I think it would just be about um, just strengthening and, and having those options in reserve, um, especially maybe at the back. I think their defence is good. See, they've got a great goalkeeper now in Martinez, but it's just about if you get a little injury, who, what kind of players coming in? I know in midfield they've had sort of they've gone from McGinn to Nakamba, and you know it's quite a, li- a little bit of a step. So you know maybe a little bit more depth in that department would see them put pressure on for the European places. I think Europa League would be great for Villa. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't begrudge that as an achievement nowadays. I think to to play in Europe is it is huge for the fans and Villa are a massive club and and if they could get in the sort of top 7, you know, that that is a great achievement. Yeah, I think they're really building something there under like what they almost had under Martin O'Neill at the uh, the the late yeah. noughties, wasn't it? You know, when we were probably growing up as, and watching them. Um We've spoken about who could replace him. I suppose we probably should talk a little bit just briefly about him. Um, Jack Grealish, um, you know, yourself as an Englishman, would have watched him during the Euros, would have cheered him on during the Euros. Does it excite you knowing that he could be potentially working under Pep Guardiola and seeing his game go to a completely different level in the coming years and, and months as well? 
Um, it does, but then part of me thinks, why not? Why go to City? Because you can't deny that working with Pep and the lure of uh, trophies and you know regularly fighting for the best prizes, but. It seems to be that at City, everyone has their stint on the bench. You know, Foden's had it. Mares has had spells out of the team. And I, I think Mares is incredible. Like, I think I've, I really struggle to see how he can't play every week. And then you've obviously got Sterling, De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva. I think if the right offer came up this summer, they'd probably move him on. Um, and then obviously they played with a false nine as well. So there is positions up for grabs. But I just think with City... I mean, surely you'd build the team around Grealish and De Bruyne, but there is a chance that he'd be on the bench. And, you know, being the main man at Villa and sort of having that free role and the team built around him, as much as, I mean, it's something to weigh up. I, I can't see how, you know, you could really turn down City, but with those kind of options, you probably have to realise that he wouldn't be playing every week. Um, as ever, we do have some some lovely comments coming in from the guys that are watching along as we're doing this show. Um, Biblop is a regular contributor. Um, he's come up with this one. Uh, I think Grealish would be a great acquisition for City, and I think the time is also right for Villa to cash in on him, given the individual aspirations the playmaker might have going forward. I suppose you can't really uh, argue too much with that one for Biblop. Um, Ryan, just staying with City uh, as well. Obviously, the big story this week uh, so far, um, and I'll have to take my Tottenham supporting hat off when I go through this. Uh, Harry Kane uh, being a rather naughty boy and staying away from Tottenham's training ground to try and force for a move to Man City. Um, you know, this is a guy who we've always been told is Mr. Professional, first in for training, last out at the end of the day, um, you know, last off the training pitch, sorry, I should say. And now he's not turning up for training um, to, to try and force for a move to, to a club who helped him become the player that he is, um, you know, a, a, one of the best strikers in the world. Obviously, that's the reason why Man City want him. Are you surprised that he's gone down this route, that that he is skipping training, that he is trying to force for a move in a way that, you know, players previously at Tottenham, you know, Christian Eriksen, he's, he's spoken about badly among the fan base. But he's done this. Danny Rose turned up for training all last year, trained with the under-23s. For Mr. Professional, this is this isn't a good look for the England captain either, is it? No, I think my my personal view on this is if City had the had put the money on the table, then I could maybe sympathise with it. But all the while Kane's doing this, he's not really he's not really gaining anything effectively because City haven't paid the money, and you know he has signed a long a, a long contract extension. And you know why should Tottenham just necessarily? go, all right, we'll, we'll take 100 million. You, they're going to want to get the best deal possible for him. And until that money is presented to him, I don't really see what Kane is gaining by doing this. I mean, he may obviously encourage City to, to pay up, but if they've currently put 100 mil down for Grealish, I do question whether they've got the financial muscle to facilitate both. Um, the only way, obviously, I see them doing, doing that is by selling players. But this market isn't really one where money's being thrown about. I mean, players like Bernardo and, and Gabriel Jesus usually would be, you know, there'd be plenty of offers for him, but it doesn't really seem to be the case. So unless there's kind of uh, leverage to to do like a player plus cash deal that Tottenham would accept, but I don't think they would. I don't really see what Kane's gaining at, at the moment, apart from tarnishing his legacy with Spurs fans. I mean, some will say you know, that won't be affected. But I was reading some of the comments below um, Alistair Gold's, one of his stories on Kane. 
And it seemed to me like most Spurs fans were actually really, you know, annoyed with Kane and, you know, felt he was he was going against, well, obviously he's going against the club, but felt like, you know, it was a, it was a kind of bad move and it, 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 you know, angered them. So it's definitely, I wonder if he's being advised or, you know, whether this is his decision. But to me, doesn't really sit right at the moment. But I don't really think you can begrudge him for doing it because if he stays another year, it's just going to go on and on. He's 28. He, he deserves to be fighting for the Premier League and, and the other trophies. Yeah, there's a bit of me that kind of always still wonders whether or not England, if they'd won the Euros, whether or not that might have kind of convinced him to stay another year at Spurs. <laughs> that would have that would have satisfied his need for a trophy. But yeah, there's definitely going to be plenty to, to run and run on that one. Ryan, just moving on to another one uh, of, of the players that's made it into your column this week. Uh, Joe Willock, an interesting case. Uh, Arsenal seem to be going down this route of, of kind of trusting youth and, and kind of building for the future. But he doesn't necessarily look like he's going to be a part of it, despite impressing on loan at Newcastle last year. Uh, Monaco, a potential destination for him. And they're a club that have got a good track record with youngsters in the past. Obviously, Kylian Mbappe came through there. Anthony Martial spent time there as well. So it could be a really good fit for him if he did go to France. Yeah, I think it's one of those that sort of crops up unexpectedly. But I mean, it'd probably be quite a pull for Willock, really, to be to go out there and um, you know try something different, try a different league. Um, obviously, we saw with the likes of Sancho that you know a move, sort of a left field move abroad, can actually pay off and and get you um, a bigger move further down the line. I think it's just a difficult one for Willock at the moment because you you see Emil Smith Rowe sign a new deal get the number 10 shirt and really that's probably, you know, going to hurt a little bit in a sense because that's probably what Willock wants. And, uh, you know, his form last season with Newcastle scoring seven successive Premier League games. If he's not been seriously looked at by now at Arsenal, you'd, you'd probably feel like it, it might be the right time to move on, especially after playing regularly last year. Um, so it's a difficult one, but, I don't think it would necessarily be a case of uh, it's the end of the road just yet. I feel like, you know, he's still only 21, so plenty can change. In terms of Newcastle, though, as well, I think I saw you mentioned um, that they might be lining up another loan move for him as opposed to, um, you know, obviously the ownership and the takeover makes it difficult for them to make, um, or at least find the funds to to make permanent deals at this moment. But potentially could, could be going back to Newcastle on loan and, you wonder whether or not he, he kind of wants to do that, given the fact that he did do so well last year and, and whether or not he wants to actually play in front of those fans who fell in love with him, but yeah. never actually got to see him in the flesh. Exactly. Um, I think Newcastle, obviously a massive club. And like you say, when when you're at a club like Newcastle and doing well, the fans really get behind you. And, and that feeling, you, you can't really underestimate how that must feel as a young player. Um, but you get the sense when Willock departed at the end of last season, I remember reading his sort of goodbye message and it did seem like, it did actually seem like the end when realistically, you know, another loan move wasn't really off the off the table then. Um, there was talk about, I think it was nearly two weeks ago now that like it was it was an advanced talks to, to go back. But um, from someone I spoke to, that wasn't actually the case and Arsenal were very much sort of, wanted to to take their time and, and give him a chance in pre-season, but doesn't look like really Willock's 
been featuring that regularly, come off the bench against Chelsea, scored what was a goal and didn't get given because it apparently didn't cross the line. But (laughs) you do feel like Willett's going to be, if he stays at Arsenal, an outsider really and sort of minutes will be few and far between where if you look at someone like Reese Nelson, who's done that for the past year or so, it's not really worked out. So my personal view would be to go back to Newcastle and play every week, especially in the Premier League. You know, that's that's a huge, a huge opportunity, really. No, absolutely. Just to get the minutes under your belt and, and obviously helping develop as well could be, a, you know, potential England international one day and obviously needs those games in him at the minute, doesn't he, to yeah. to kind of try and advance those claims. Um, just sticking with Arsenal, uh, just briefly, an interesting line, uh, one that I found slightly comical before Spurs' talisman decided that he didn't want to play for the club anymore. Uh, Granite Xhaka last week um, had been linked with Roma for so much of the summer. You know, we were told that it was at advanced talks, um, you know, that, that we were almost expecting a, an announcement for the deal to be confirmed. At any point, it's obviously broken down and, and it turns around that Arsenal are now likely to offer him a new contract. Who's the real winner of this summer transfer window? It's Granit Xhaka. Yeah, I, I feel quite strongly on this one, actually. Um, I, I, I put a tweet out that I, 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 when I saw that he was going to be in talks over a new deal, potentially, it just feels like with Arsenal, like, what are they holding on to? Like, not even with Xhaka, because I, I do actually think he's an underrated player, but... You look at Xhaka, Lacazette, Bellerin, Leno, four players who have been fairly senior players at the club in the last sort of three or four years, um, all got two years left on their contract. Yet Arsenal have this sort of uncanny ability to let the contracts run right down. They don't get any money for the players, then lose them. Um, you know, they run the contracts down and, and get big wages elsewhere. And it's just like a cycle. Like I've never seen a club that failed to get substantial transfer fees for their players when they let them go. And with someone like Xhaka, it's quite clear that it's not really going to work out for him. You know, he's got, he's still got his critics. And I just feel like this summer was the perfect chance to to get rid of him. Obviously, Roma were quite strongly interested in signing him. And they were sort of haggling over a, a couple of million on the asking price. And eventually it broke down. And Xhaka clearly wanted to go. So I, I don't really see why you try and keep him against, not his will, but do you know what I mean? I, I don't really understand what they're hanging on to personally. No, it's a, it's a strange one, um, especially after that whole couple of years ago where obviously he threw the shirt on the floor and, yeah. and I don't think it ever really recovered that relationship there. So, no, exactly. I mean, I mean, he had a great Euros for, for Switzerland, um, but it, it, it's almost like the case of Paul Pogba. He can turn it on for his country, can't turn it on for his club. Um yeah. We've had some more comments in um, and just going back to Willett briefly. And I think this is an interesting um, aspect and a lot of clubs are doing it at the minute. Uh, this comment comes from uh, Port Suite Arras, uh, who says that Arsenal must sell Willett, Nelson and Nketiah with an option to buy back. And that's the thing that a lot of clubs are doing. And I suppose Arsenal could probably do this with, you know, Willock if he did go to, say, Monaco um, rather than alone, maybe you know, the option to buy him back. Obviously, Barcelona are almost the kings of that, aren't they? And, and Real Madrid yeah. as well. It seems to be saying that the Spanish clubs really love. Um, but that's an interesting uh, an interesting concept for Arsenal, isn't it? That if these guys do go away and do impress, um, you know, at any clubs that they can bring him back. I know Liverpool had it as well last year with Ryan Brewster. That yeah. hasn't necessarily worked out as well as perhaps they maybe would have liked. Um but, but it's an option that Arsenal can go down and then obviously bring in funds now and, and they can maybe go back and get them at a later date. Exactly. And it's 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 strange, it's sort of feeding into the point that I was just saying. Like, you don't really see Arsenal show that kind of now or, um, you know, 
cunningness in the market, really. Um, you look at Saliba, that that was a strange one for me. He was given the number four shirt, signed for 27 million under Emery, and then loaned back to France three times and left to play in the under-23s at Arsenal. You just think, just give him a go. He must be better than David Luiz or, you know, you've got Pablo Mari, who's not, not the best with all due respect. And with the, the buyback clauses as well, I mean... I know Liverpool, you mentioned Brewster. Sometimes it can be used to encourage the buying clubs to uh, to pay up. You know, if you're putting a, insisting on a buyback clause in there, it kind of makes the other team feel like they're getting a, a huge deal and they might table more cash. So with Arsenal, yeah, I don't see the harm in, you know, getting rid of some of these academy stars that haven't quite, you know, someone like Maitland-Niles as well, Reese Nelson, as you mentioned, you know, let them go and then include a buyback clause. And, and you know, if it works out, bring them back. Um, just going through some more uh, of the uh, listener comments that we've got so far. Uh, we did have one here from Gary Clark. Uh, going back to Jack Grealish, who we spoke about uh, a little bit earlier on the show, um, suggesting, I think like yourself, Ryan, that, that he won't be a first-team regular uh, for City, as you said earlier on, you know, kind of he will have to get used to that spell on the bench. Um, but it does raise that interesting point, and I think you spoke about it previously as well, about who does leave Man City should they bring in Grealish and it's a, it's a lovely position to be in you know as, as Pep Guardiola to kind of bring in a player like Grealish and then have this, these thoughts about oh who do I sell um, but it's, yeah as you said though it's, it's the tough market that we're in and, and maybe the money that City hope that they're going to get would have got for these players two years ago you know she said Gabriel Jesus would have been 60-70 million pounds easily um, probably yeah. now you're looking more around 40-50 million and it, and it becomes more difficult for City same with Imeric Laporte you know obviously not competing in the same position as Jack Grealish but he's another player that they've been linked with trying to move on this summer potentially but they'll be lucky to get what they actually got in from a couple of years ago yeah um, the, the question itself is a, a difficult one to answer to be honest but I still I think if you, even after this summer, you know, and, and the, the incredible tournament that Sterling had, I think if you asked supporters, especially City fans, who would you rather see in your team, Sterling or Grealish? I think they'd say Grealish. Um, and that's with respect to Sterling, because I do think he's a, he's a great player. And, you know, his, his development under Guardiola since, um, since Guardiola took over has been, you know, quite something really. But I think Mares for me, I was talking him up earlier. I, I just think at right wing, I don't think there's anyone better at City. Obviously, you've got Foden, he can play centrally as well. I think if they continue with this De Bruyne at, at false nine, then I'd probably have Grealish on the left side. Or you could even have Grealish in sort of one of the three midfield roles, sort of roaming. Um, but the other side of it is hard to sort of create that starting eleven, but it's a long old season and if City want to win the Champions League and fight on all fronts, you need all of them. So um I don't really think it's the worst problem in the world to have, obviously, as you mentioned. Um, Ryan, just before we go, just a couple more lines from your column uh, today. Speaking about West Ham as well, uh, in talks with uh, Fiorentina defender Nikola Milinkovic. Um it's been a bit of a weird transfer window so far for West Ham hasn't it um, yeah. you know you'd expect them obviously we're not expecting them to go out and buy a whole new team that did so well last year but you, you would have been expecting them to sign a few players by now to add a bit more depth to this team because of course you know they're going to be playing those six extra games in Europe travelling all across the continent as well um, and obviously the further that they go in that competition the more they're going to be relying on their squad 
So it's, it's bizarre that we've got to August and they haven't really, they've got the same squad from last year pretty much, isn't it? Apart from obviously, yeah. you know, Jesse Lingard's gone back to Man United, such a key player in that run as well. Exactly, yeah, as you mentioned there, I mean, losing Lingard is, you know, that that could be a big problem for them. Um, I do think they will they will still strengthen between the end of the window. It's been a little bit of a slow burner for them. I think centre-back is obviously clearly one they're addressing after losing Balbuena, who's gone to Dynamo Moscow, I think, on a free transfer. So I think they'll bring Zuma or Milinkovic in. Looks like probably Milinkovic now, um, with uh, Zuma potentially being involved in that swap deal for Chelsea and Kouande. Um But like you said, that the Europa League is going to be a, a big problem for them if they if they don't bring in three or four um, new additions. I think central midfield was an area that looked like they needed a bit more depth, especially with sort of just nobles last season, but he was still sort of playing fairly regularly towards the end of the season. Um, so yeah, they definitely need, you know, just bodies really, just <laughs> to, good good players to sort of cover them because we've, we've seen with, uh, with, with other teams that, you know, the Europa League really can drain it out of you and affect the league position. No, I'm saying maybe Joe Willock might be a good option for West Ham as well yeah. to replace Jesse Lingard. Who knows? Who knows? Um, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us um, this morning. Really appreciate your time uh, as always. Um, of course, for anyone uh, who wants to know, um, Ryan does have his lovely uh, Tuesday transfer column on the Express as well. So you can head to the website, check it all out more in depth as to what we've uh, talked about on the show today. Um, of course, you can keep across all the latest transfer news across the Express, across the Mirror, across the Star, and of course, across all of Reach's uh, regional time titles as well Uh, and of course we'll be back to talk even more transfers at some point later in the summer. 